Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Well, hello there, O'Toole. Hey there, Hollister. Today we're going to review Patriot's Day, but I wanted to start off by saying interesting box office figures. Yes, those hidden figures are not so hidden. They're number one at the box office. Well, hidden figures came in at $20 million to lead with number one on this holiday weekend, and there was something so meaningfully happy about that. I was really thrilled to hear that, weren't you? I was absolutely. Oh, very, very good. Yes. Okay, but before we get started, I just want you to know that the Americans just announced the new season launch date. It's March 7th at 10 p.m., and I re- it's the 5th fifth season, and next year, it, the 6th season, it will be their last finale season. But um, what they're saying, they're not saying that much, but what they're saying is that more of it will take place in Russia than in past seasons. And I don't know how I feel about that. I just want to say. Interesting. And then also, uh, we're we're taping this on Sunday, and it's going live on Thursday, but The Young Pope is on HBO tonight. And it to much ado before. I mean, it's been everybody's been talking about it for over a month. So I don't. Are you going to watch it? Or are we going to review it? What What you say know, you about Hollister, that? I saw the trailer that you posted on our Facebook page. Okay. And I was a little scared when Jude Law winked at us. I've never seen okay. a Pope wink before. Oh come on, Pope Pope John Paul. He would have winked at a million people. It wouldn't have had the same tone. Well, I think this is supposed to be a difficult tone. So wait. So just tell me, are we going to be able to review it next weekend or not? You'll be talking about it, and I'll be so curious to hear what you have to say. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. And then I did review. I did a written review of Lion this week, I which saw I saw. That. Yes, on our yeah. website, ScreenThoughts.net. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's very hard to leave the theater and not want to go to India and adopt a million people. But I just want to give two statistics that will blow you away. So here, here you are watching Lion, which is the story of one lost child in India who gets adopted by an Australian couple. But there are 11 million kids living on the street in India. Mm-hmm. And Nicole Kidman, I ended with this on my written, my written review. One of the things she said, which I, I just, it made me think of you, because she said you will be emotional, but you won't be wrecked. And I feel like that was sort of encapsulating what you said happened to you at Manchester by the Sea, mm-hmm. like you were wrecked. It wasn't <laughs> that you were bothered by the emotional nature of Manchester by the Sea, but without hope, it was just a wreck. Is that, am I right? It was a slow wrecking ball. Yeah, exactly. So so I think that that's sort of a good thing uh, to remember. And I thought Nicole Kidman said it so very, very well. So... Uh, so do go to ScreenThoughts.net and, and read my written review if you haven't had a chance, if you want to see the film, or if you've seen it and see if you agree. Okay, and then I want to go on record right now to all of our listeners <laughs> that I'm always like the negative person who's into, you know, <laughs> to you know Hannibal Lecter, people of the world, and you're always like the really nice person who has a really positive, good attitude. So uh, this week I said, you know, what do you think we should do for our list of six? And... O'Toole said, let's do the saddest movies. And I just want to say, it wasn't my idea, although I embraced it wholeheartedly. You know, it it was, was not my inspired idea. Inspired by our podcast about hidden figures last week, where we okay. decided to just, marry it to the theme of the movie. So we okay. did last week, you know, movies based on real life events like hidden figures. And then knowing that yeah. this week we were doing Patriot's Day, I thought, well, the only thing I could come up with is the six saddest movies we've seen. Okay, you don't have to explain yourself. You just need to own that you was your choice. That's all you need to do. <laughs> well, see, I okay, think I need so, to own it and say why. 
you know. Okay. Yes. You know what? Whatever whatever works for you. I just want everyone to know it wasn't my idea. Okay. <laughs> All right. You want to go first? Let's, I have a feeling we might have one or two of the same, but you go first. Really? Well, you know that you're, I'm, I'm the lightweight when it comes to sad anyway. I was the one that couldn't even watch the previews <laughs> oh, now you're to Little try, House now on the Prairie. Now you're trying to backlog. Oh, okay, no, no, no. I need to go explain ahead. this. Like, I couldn't even watch the trailers to Little House on the Prairie knowing that Melissa uh-huh. was going to go blind. So there are many, yeah. many, many sad movies out there that I knew I couldn't handle, so I haven't seen just them. Give us your first so one. So they didn't Don't, make my know. list. Okay, my first one, directed by Steven Spielberg, Color Purple. Really? Yep. It's the only movie where I saw it late at night, and the next morning I woke up crying. But she wins in the end. Uh, this is what I mean. My tolerance level is not where yours is. Okay. And I'm glad I read the book after I saw the movie. It's a okay. wonderful book by Alice Walker. I would say that it's a sad journey to a wonderful ending of empowerment and... And relief, if that's if that's what I could say. It was still filled with a lot of sad. Okay, it was. It was sad. It was sad, sad, sad. Nominated for 11 Oscars and starring Whoopi Goldberg, Danny Glover, and Oprah. And Oprah, by the way, took a, took a role in that where it could have been really sad, but because she just gave that woman the strength of her own whatever, she just really nailed it. Oh, my life, I had to fight. I had to fight my daddy. I had to fight my uncle's. I had to fight my brothers. Girl, child ain't safe in a family mint. But I never thought I had to fight in my own house. You know who was offered the starring role first and turned it down? Who? Tina Turner. She oh, wanted nice, huh? to go into acting, and she read the script, and she said, this is too much like my own life. And after living through the Ike years, I am not going to play an abused wife. Good for her. And that's she how she ended she up in Mad Max. Huh. I do think it was like, you know, to, to quote Julia Roberts, mistake, big mistake. I don't <laughs> know. I, great I think there's something to be said for not going yeah, back no, to that place. You have to follow your own journey. Yes. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay, I'm going to start with Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah, 1993, Tom uh, um, Hanks, and I loved him in this role, uh, by the way, you know, uh, is a man dying of AIDS who sues his law firm for discrimination. And it also came out right at the time when AIDS was at its full force of, of destruction. And it was just such a powerful movie. And I don't know anybody who hadn't lost by then people they knew to AIDS. So for all of us, it was a journey of personal journey of our own, but as well as watching, you know, one of the finest performances in an amazing storyline. So I start with Philadelphia. Well, to tie that back to hidden figures, Taraji P. Henson at the Actors Roundtable, they were asked, if you could put one movie into a time capsule, what would it be? And Taraji P. Henson immediately said Philadelphia. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, there you go. Yep. Uh, I knew she and I were simpatico. We could be a BFFs. There you go. Kindred spirits, she and I. Okay. <laughs> All right, what's your next one? Okay, my next one is the Swedish film, A Song for Martin. You made me watch that movie. It, see? And look at that use of made you. But it started out as this <laughs> great romance, and I had no idea what the movie was about. I just checked it out of the yeah. library because I thought, okay, it's Swedish. You can't really go wrong there. And I had no idea that the main character was about to just spiral down into Alzheimer's. I watched it late at night alone by myself. And then I was trying to console myself. So I started Googling and I saw that the two leads were married to each other in real life. And then I thought, oh, that's happy. And then I realized that the female lead 
had died. So while her husband played the one suffering from Alzheimer's, she knew she was dying of ovarian cancer when they made the movie. So I thought the real life story trumps the sad, sad fictional story that they were portraying, but it's a beautiful movie, a song for Merton. Hmm. Interesting choice. Yeah. Okay. My second choice is West Side Story. Oh. And, you know, I don't know how many times you can remake Romeo and Juliet a million different ways, but it is the saddest of tales when prejudice gets in the way of love. And so for me, I picked West Side Story. Alistair, I kind of forgot that is a sad story because so much of the music to me sounds upbeat, you know, and it's got song and dance and from the tone. What, what Name one song that's upbeat. America. I thought America was upbeat. Okay. What's your what's your third one? Okay, my final one is The Broken Circle Breakdown. Oh, to no, date, no. the God, only movie right? I've ever seen in Flemish. And, you know, when a movie contains a child's death, that mm. already just gets me right yeah, there. But exactly. they used flashbacks and flash forwards so well, but they cut in and out over this devastating love story arc. The female star won Best Actress at the Tribeca Film Festival. Very well-deserved. Pretty sure my circle will never be whole again, but well, I we thought saw, it was we very, saw very that sad. together. I don't know if you remember that or not. In the morning, yeah. when I realized I'm even more susceptible to sad stories in <laughs> exactly. the morning than she's at not, night. So. In case anybody's wondering, she's not exactly a morning person. I'm, I'm already ready yeah. to just burst Where into tears I before am, noon. So I can just talk to myself all morning while she sits there like <laughs> zombie like. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, my last one is so girly, self-serving. Okay, but I went with beaches. You know, I thought about it. Yeah, I, I thought know. that movie was very sad. It was. It is very sad. It's a sad story of a beautiful, beautiful friendship, but also a small child losing their mother. And, you know, I mean, there's, you know, again, there's a journey afterward that you know might be okay. But it's a very, very sad story in my mind. So. And do you have your calendar marked for January 21st? Which is? That's when Beaches premieres on mylifetime.com uh, with know, Adina I'm not Menzel. Sure. I know, but I'm not even sure I'm going to watch it. Are you? Oh, I'm definitely going to watch. Okay. Well, maybe you can do that and I'll do The Young Pope. <laughs> okay. Now, also, I want to talk about last week. We asked people, you know, definitely let us know if we missed one of the movies, one of the great um, movies that were based on reality. And I loved one of our listeners sent in Frida, the Frida Kahlo story. And I mm-hmm. had totally forgotten that, but it is one of... It's a beautiful story, and I love her work. And, you know, I, I mentioned on, on our Facebook page that when I have a billion dollars, I'm buying one from Madonna, who by then will be my best friend. So, <laughs> you know, she, she collects all Frida, anything, anything Frida Kahlo that goes on the market, she's picked it up. So, yeah, I thought that was a really good choice that we missed out on totally. And thanks again to Melissa Cohn. Every week we thank Melissa Cohn for our list of six sponsorship. Okay, and now we're going to move into Patriot's Day. <laughs> They say a half a million people watch the Boston Marathon here in New England. I wanted to start with a little bit of historical context about the actual holiday for those who aren't from Boston. So you go, girl. Commemorating. The Patriots, my people. Yes, the battles of Lexington and Concord, the first battles of the American Revolution. It's yes. always celebrated on the third Monday in April, which often falls on tax day. So in Massachusetts, residents even get an extra day to file their taxes. Yay for that. They reenact the midnight ride of Paul Revere. The Boston Red Sox always play at Fenway Park on that day, and the biggest celebration 
is the Boston Marathon, which has been run every Patriots Day since 1897. So the Boston Marathon is the world's oldest. And everybody remembers that fateful day just three years ago. Was it four years ago, actually? It was the 2013 Boston Marathon. Yeah, so three, well, yeah, it'll be four years in April. Um, What did you think of it as a movie? Well, this is, you know that the event itself is so traumatic for me because my apartment is only a few blocks from the finish line of the Boston Marathon. And I am from a family of marathoners. Mm -hmm. You know how last week you said you prefer movies based on real events. Again, this goes to our tolerance levels because (laughs) when I watch a movie that's fictional, I can always console myself with the thought, well, this didn't really happen. Watching Patriots Day, not only did I think this really happened, but in real life, you know, it, it was just an unimaginable horror with three dead and 263 injured on what is normally such a happy moment. It's the beginning of spring in Boston, the magnolia trees are blooming, and all those runners are so filled with joy when they head down Boylston Street because they know they've finished this really tough race. Mm-hmm. Something that I tried to hold on to while watching the movie is that they were underscoring people's humanity. Because that day when the bombs went off, those runners who were so exhausted, when they realized what had happened, they picked themselves up and many of them ran a couple more miles to get to the hospitals to donate blood. Hey, how many times you run this thing? Boston 18, 43 overall. That's impressive, boss. So so when we take a look at the movie, the movie basically charts out the course of of both the um, the day of the marathon and then the capture of the um, both the brothers in the end and sort of ends after that. It charts that course, but it layers in one fictional character. Yes. And everybody else is was there and, and it sort of does unfold apparently the way, I mean, as best as we're being told, the way that it actually unfolded, you know, with the, the commissioner and the FBI and, you know, everybody's sort of there. And then we've got our one protagonist main character, you know, um, Tommy. Played by Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Tommy, uh, who is totally a, what they said was, you know, Berg, who did, you know, who directed this said, Tommy's a composite of all the, uh, you know, other um, anonymous people, you know, he, he's a, he's a detective slash cop. And, you know, he happens to sort of be at the right place through this entire thing, which of course would never have happened. Well, but, the right and wrong place. Yeah. But yeah. how did you feel about bringing someone in, sitting next to everybody else who is real, and if somebody doesn't do their little bit of homework, they're going to think he probably was a real character too. Did did you think that was a good idea? I did for two reasons. One is the movie doesn't hold itself out to be a documentary, but I thought you needed an emotional common thread holding the story together. And who better for this role than Mark Wahlberg, who really is from Boston, was a producer on the movie. And I saw a very interesting interview that he gave with the real police commissioner, Ed Davis. And Ed Davis was played by John Goodman in the movie, who wore the actual jacket Ed Davis was wearing 
the day of the Boston Marathon bombing. So the interviewer was asking Mark Wahlberg, you know, he said, you're from Dorchester. You've actually done time. You know, like, what was it like for you to do this movie? And Mark Wahlberg said, you have no idea how nice it is to be sitting on this side of the law. <laughs> and Ed Davis just looked at him and he said, I imagine it's much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, okay, there's the, the Boston humor for you. But I, did, I didn't have a problem with that. I thought well, it was a good they artistic are get, choice. They are taking a little bit of a hit for it. You know, some, some people, especially in Boston, are criticizing it. Um, mm-hmm. But I liked it. And I think without it... Because I know the story so well, and because it's also so new, I just don't think I would have, I, I, it just, there wouldn't have been any sort of tension that I could have, you know, gotten behind in terms of watching, quote, a storyline. So I thought the use was good, but I think it's worth noting that you should uh, keep that in mind when you go into it, that he's the one character that isn't based on a real person. They had to cull down the story so much because when you've got more than 260 people injured and three dead, you can only follow a certain number yeah. of people, too, yeah. who were injured. So I figured, I thought more of that would actually occur in the movie than actually did. The one thing that I questioned, I had to Google it, is I remember reading before the marathon took place that they were doing that commemoration of the 26 people killed in the Newtown massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School, the six adults and 20 kids. So each mile of the course was dedicated to one of those lives. Before the marathon took place, I had read there was a lot of discussion about not using a starting gun out of respect for these families who were still so traumatized by Hmm. by all the gun violence. And I thought they were going to ring a bell. In the movie, they show a starting gun go off. And when I Googled it, they did, in fact, use a a starting gun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, you you know, know, again, again, all the details of it. You know, everybody, you know, we've all just been there so many, many times. But um, but a couple of interesting things like the robot, you know, that MIT robot. Mm-hmm. OK, yep. that's a real MIT robot. And normally they don't let anybody see it, but they did it to honor Colliers, who, you know, was was brutally murdered by these jerks. Um, and they they, you know, showed the robot. So that was a real robot. And that was sort of, you know, I thought, oh, wow, that's sort of an interesting little um, thing, but there was a second thing that they did, which I didn't think was okay. And they, um, the guy who insisted on standing over the body of Martin uh, Richard, the eight-year-old who died, until they were able to move the body, you know, some twelve hours later. And the w- FBI said they couldn't because they said it was evidence right. in a crime scene. But the guy who stood over that body all those hours, who insisted on standing there, was a a Boston police officer. You know, they showed a reserve officer standing over the body, not a, a Boston police officer. And because of the enormity of that moment, to me, I thought they should have been authentic there. I- thought that was pretty close i know they they thanked the reserves in the credits yeah. well if you look yeah but if you well but if you look at the if you look at the uniform he was wearing and it's one of the things that i read you know they were criticized for it it's a reserve officer it's not a, it's not a cop and then the last thing i thought was so i wanted to find out if it was true and i did a little homework is that the um the chinese man whose mercedes was was taken by the two boys which i refuse to say their names um, I just don't want to even give their name. I'm, yeah. I'm with you, Hollister. Exactly. Yep, I'm with you. Okay. He really did have his GPS number memorized. I and he gave it to the police you, officers. Mm-hmm. And they said without him having done that, they probably wouldn't have been able to find the car. And all I could think of was, 
oh my God, I have to go memorize my GPS number in my car. And then I realized my car doesn't have one, you know? (laughs) So I would have to, so if that happened to me, I'd have to leave my phone in the car so they could track my car. I mean, I had all this whole plan. Like, how do you figure this out? So you can, he was, that kid was incredible. You know, when you look at how he, I never realized, I didn't read that much about him when it all happened, but you go. I mean, he was awesome. And Peter Berg wrote the script and directed yeah, it. He, did. he he met with that real life guy. Yeah. And he you met know, that all, was one of the he met first... with everybody actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. As someone who lives in Boston, I was actually surprised at how many scenes are filmed right there where it all happened. Yeah. And I saw that they thanked Lisa Strout, the film commissioner. The only scene that I thought, okay, that's really not true, is when they showed that same character you just referenced. Um, the guy who ends up getting carjacked, when he calls his parents on FaceTime in China and his car is parked right there on the Charles River, I was saying, okay, that's a pedestrian path and a bike path. You're not allowed to have your yeah. car right there, but it, it certainly is a beautiful backdrop. Well, there you go. Hollister, remember the scene in the movie where they're taking all that security camera footage yes. from the stores along Boylston Street? This was just one of those ironic twists of that actual day. Do you remember when the terrorist's mother had been wanted for shoplifting from Lord and Taylor, where yes. she had taken something like $15,000 worth of clothes. Yes. And ironically, it was their video cameras that actually helped capture them. Hmm. There's a stroke of justice Well, in the other somewhere. thing that it reminds every single person in America is, you know, they, you can be trailed wherever you are doing whatever you're doing. It is shocking to think how quickly you yeah. can become a paramilitary-like state yep. and shut down. Because when all those guys showed up in the the bulletproof vests and the the weaponry that they had. I didn't even know where they'd come from. I mean, some were from New York and all over the place, and, you know, and then they disappeared again hmm. just as quickly. Every inch of this city is getting searched. We're shutting it down. Now let's talk about, let's talk about Berg, because the first 10 minutes of the film... Everything was such a close-up shot that we never got perspective of the room that these people were in for these close-ups. Plus, it gave me a headache. It was just too close. You know how sometimes when someone's too close to you and, and their face is in your face and it's just too close? I, I do, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of his work. I, you know, I didn't think Collateral was great. I didn't think Lone Survivor was great. I, I don't think his directoral, uh, you know, I, the story was compelling and I was glad to see it, but... I don't think he's a great director, you know? See, he wrote and directed Friday Night Lights, the movie, and then he created the TV show, well, which that I, thought I thought was, was extremely yeah. well done. He started out, of course, Actually, as an I didn't actor. Know that, you know what? I looked him up. I didn't see that. But now that you say that, I did like his work there. But I yep. didn't think this was great. Did you? I thought that really worked for me, the handheld camera work. I thought it really it was the headache. right tone. Yeah. I thought it was so right for all the 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 panic and the quick response and the frenetic moment and a marathon anyway, because even when you look at a lot of the news coverage of marathons, because the runners are running so fast, it's a hard thing to film. Mm -hmm. So the news coverage of people running is jumpy. And the people that run the Boston Marathon are so fast. The last time I watched the race, the lead woman passed the tee the tram in Boston. She was literally faster than the public transportation. So that kind of jumpy camera work, I thought totally fit the tone. The city being in lockdown. To me, I really, the first 10 minutes I did have a headache. I really did.
And I know Peter Berg has said that he prefers a more visceral, natural style of filmmaking, and that's definitely what he used here. Did you see Stronger with Jake Gyllenhaal? I, I have not seen it. Yeah, I mean, that was the first film that came out, and again, that they said was too soon. Did you think this is too soon? This is going to be a sad commentary on where I stand on the state of the world. But, for example, this event brought back so much of the 9-11 trauma for me. Because right there in Copley Square is where the SWAT teams came in on 9-11 to look for the perpetrators who had spent the night there before they hijacked the planes that they crashed into the buildings. So all of this happening right back in the same spot after 9-11. And to this day, really, I still have a hard time watching the World Trade Center being portrayed anywhere. And now I feel as though so many terrible events have happened around the world that it's almost sped up the timeline a little bit for me, where I feel like 2013 was a lot of events ago, as opposed to being four years ago. Still, I thought I could handle it. And the minute the movie started and I was actually back there... I was like, what was I thinking? I don't I don't think I, I do have the fiber to relive, you know, this terrible, terrible day in an emotional medium to begin with. So it's not necessarily whether it's too soon or not. It's just that I don't know if I'd ever be able to handle yeah, well, it. Well, you know, it's uh, I, I totally understand that. It was funny because I was seeing my niece and her um, husband for the, during the weekend, and we decided to go to a movie and have dinner, and I suggested this movie because we were going to review it, and we went to see Lion instead because both of them, they were in lockdown. They were in Boston, and their, their home was locked down during that 24-hour lockdown period, mm-hmm. and they said they don't want to see it. They just don't want to go there again, and I, I do think it'll be interesting. I'd love to see the data, and I looked it up, but I couldn't find it for everyone. I wanted to know what's the data on... Uh, the fr- this first weekend of it being out, of how many people from Boston actually went. Yes. I thought the coda at the end, where they show clips of the real-life survivors, mm-hmm. I thought that was very emotional, but also perhaps the most uplifting part of the film. So, for example, where they interview that married couple where she lost both her legs and he lost one leg, and he says, we prefer not to think of ourselves as victims, but as ambassadors of peace. And then he started mentioning Nice and Paris and Islamabad and thought it was very emotional. When they showed Big Poppy at the end at Fenway Park, I thought he might have been the only person who could get away with swearing on TV and not get censored when he said this is our city and Boston strong. And again, those Newtown families who were there, they had already come up with the motto Newtown strong. Um, Well, Mark Wahlberg, you know, I think he's a great actor, and I thought he was really, really good in this role. And I don't know that it was a really good role, but I thought he was really, really good in the role. And I loved the nuance of him not getting support as he was breaking into to a apartment before any of this happened. I loved the setup they did for him. I thought it was really strong. Uh, he's really a very good actor. It really put his role in context. It did, where yeah. He's yeah. a very natural actor. I don't feel his acting. And of course, he was the one person movie with a legitimate Boston accent. Well, it's funny because the, my next statement is going to be, I just wonder if he can act outside his own persona. Because I can't think of any role when he's been anything other than this guy with a little sense of underlying anger, who's very brave and, you know... Um, you know what I mean? Did you ever did you ever see him in Boogie Nights? 
I did, yeah. He's had a remarkable career, not just as an actor, but also as a producer. The fact that he produced Entourage, he's a very successful Hollywood power player. And I actually ran into him on Boylston Street when he was in town making this movie. There was a huge gaggle of people around him wanting his autograph. I was headed to the Apple store which also suffered that day from the bombing. It's a little weird when your whole neighborhood becomes a crime scene, you know, covered in police tape. But he was there. He, it was as though he had all the time in the world for the fans, you know, posing with every single one. He seemed pretty humble, which again... I think he's an authentic... It's a far, far cry from... You know, I think he's a grounded guy, but I do think he tends to play the same roles over and over again. And I'd love to see him really outside that box, you know? The other thing is he can't, doesn't seem to ever get a romantic role. And I, huh. think, I think he might be able to... I mean, I just think somebody should give him a shot at something other than this, you know? Did you ever see him in Ted? Uh, yeah, that's not... It, it, that doesn't... That's not romance, no. I mean, I... I you know what? <laughs> I'm not I putting can't under even count Ted romance. as a movie, to tell you I'm, I'm just putting it under something I, I that's different force, than this role. You know, I don't count it as a movie. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's fair That's enough. fair okay. enough, though. I mean, he definitely is a different guy in Ted, but he's certainly not a romantic... Uh, I think he could be a romantic lead. I'd like to see him some him try. I would. I liked him in The Italian Job. Mm-hmm. And oh. that little mini Cooper should have won an Oscar for Best yeah. Car well, in The go. Italian Job. And might I just say, can John Goodman just have a tiny role in every movie that ever comes out? There he is. General Patton in a neon vest. Wow. <laughs> There's something about him that's just... I just like to see him. And, you know, he hasn't been getting any, lead, you know, major leading leading roles or anything. I just love it when he's on the screen. So can you just put out the word that he could just be a little bit in every movie, okay? There's something about him that is a comforting it presence. It is, I've, you know? I feel the same way about J.K. Simmons, huh. who played the Watertown police chief uh-huh. in this movie. Uh, you know what? You're absolutely right. I feel that way about him as well. And did you recognize the actor from House of Cards? I did. Rachel Brosnahan. Yep. Exactly. Now, so did you she, think she was great? I thought she was good in this. I kind of forgot she was the one that played the call girl yeah, on I House just, of Cards, <laughs> for which she got an Emmy nomination. But I just, I didn't think it was a role that stretched. I just didn't think it was a, It know, wasn't a big exactly. role. Exactly. Well, not even that it wasn't a big role. There just wasn't, you know, wasn't much. Now, what about Michelle Monaghan? Did you like her? I did. And to be honest with you, the last thing I saw her in was Maid of Honor. Mm-hmm. But I've always liked Michelle Monaghan. I thought she was good. Yeah. I liked their dynamic yeah. with each other. Why are you laughing? (laughs) I look like a clown. It's the color. I'm basically a crossing guard. You got my whistle, my stop sign? Come here. Give me a kiss. I love you. I love you. She was born in Winthrop, Iowa. Did you know that? It's funny. I thought she was from Massachusetts, and I think it's because she was in Gone Baby Gone. Hmm. The other thing I decided that I'd like to put out there to to the movie makers is I don't really like the chase scenes and the shoot 'em up scenes. I really don't. I don't really think they're necessary. So what I want you to do moving forward is you start the chase scene and then you just put in a card that says chase scene for five minutes and then go to the end you of know, it. You know, I am not a chase scene <laughs> I'm fan. I'm so over everybody shooting at each other. Just tell me what's going to happen at the end of the shoot. I just you don't know, want to sit there for 10 minutes watching people, guns go off. I just don't. If there was ever a movie, though, where it's actually appropriate, this would be it. But I totally see the point because yeah. I am not a car chase person. I'm not a shoot up person. I, I, I don't even like I, I, the chase scenes. I don't care how good they are. It's like, when will this be over? And whenever I'm watching a show on television, I just fast forward to it, you know? So And there's more of that, which I think spared me, than the actual bombing scene. Mm-hmm. 
And yet, even for me, who's so familiar with the events of that day, they still caught me off guard in the movie when the bomb actually went off, which I thought was artistically very well done. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm glad that they didn't cover more of the actual carnage right. from that day. I well, did feel spared. You know, I, I think there was enough. Let's put it that way. You, you know, everybody got the picture. So, mm-hmm. I was also glad to see Candy Alexander, Mama mm-hmm. Pope. Are there more bombs? Are there more bombs? I want a lawyer. Yeah, it was, you know, it was well, I mean, a lot of good people came out to do this. Kevin Bacon. We've got to decide who's running this, and we have to decide quickly. It's terrorism. We'll take it. Yeah, I like Kevin Bacon. Okay, here is my piece of trivia. It's not necessarily related to the movie, but just to the scene where now we've had 9-11, the Craigslist killer, the Boston Marathon bombings. I think poor Copley Square has been through enough in Boston. But... I heard once that Copley Square is the only square in America to be named after an artist. Huh. You know, let's hope, O'Toole, let's hope that we don't do any more movies about real-life terrorist things anymore. Let's hope there's no reason to. How about that? Yes, I will second that hope. Okay. 